Welcome to One Cardinal, One Cup, and One Beer. This is the excited edition in January of 2024, and we'll get into that excitement that me and Max shares soon. But I do want to start by asking you to like us on Facebook, contact us through one card, one cup, one beer at gmail.com. You can subscribe to our page by clicking on the icon at the bottom right. You can support us through Patreon. You go to patreon.com, you search one cardinal, one cup, one beer, and you can support our efforts for as little as $3 a month or as little as $10 a month. I mean, it's not a whole lot of money. And if you all support us, me and JJ will get rich. We'll be on here with our bling. Max will completely quit the show because he'll retire. So why don't you just help us in our selfish financial endeavors and be a Patreon member? We're not going to hear it any more blunt than on here on One Cardinal, One Cup, and One Beer. Uh, last week, we had guests the Cubby, and I gave you a giant hint. I said, I will let you know this is not Brad Hand. It wasn't. It was Barry Foot. See what I did there? <laughs> Barry Foot, Brad. Yeah. Oh, man. Our, our guest, the Cubby, was Barry Foot last year. And Mark Mar Marianello, uh, he he got that right. So he has four tallies so far. Uh, Thomas Jay has two. And Cooter Lev has one. Um, I did hear a uh, get an email from a guy named Paul Parker. Paul, I'm going to mention you on here. And he said, I only listen to the podcast. I don't watch it. So you need to describe the player. So I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but Paul, uh, the player this week is behind me. Um, the picture right over my shoulder. He kind of looks like a rock star. And then there's a picture on the other shoulder. He's an older man throwing out a first pitch of the game. And uh, there's another picture of two more pictures of him just like in mid stride. Um, so I hope that helps you understand who this guy is, but really, if you watch the, the YouTube show, you will, you, you will actually see, uh, because there are people who just wait for this to drop and then they say, Hey, I know who that is, you know, so on and so forth. But remember, if you do guess the cub, you get a tally and the one with the most tallies at the end of spring training, will get the 750 milliliter no 500 milliliter drinking that's got the one cardinal one cup one beer logo and then on the back it has a reminder that we drop most episodes by noon on wednesday you'll also 500 item right there 500 item the coffee mug that beautiful mug with uh with me and jj's beautiful mugs on oh yeah yeah uh you also get the uh one cardinal, one cub, one beer, official, unofficial license plate. So you can put it on your car and get pulled over and get a ticket. That's great. And you will also get the one cardinal, one cub, one beer. You didn't know this was this kind of a show. Some cheesecake uh, here. Shirt right there, the official one. And uh, also you will get two tickets to a baseball game. And I've been just talking about it being a Cardinal game because, you know, me and JJ and Max, we all live in the St. Louis area. But Mr. Paul Parker said, what if we want to go to a game in Wrigley? You know what? If you win this, I will let you decide Cardinal game in Chicago or in St. Louis or a Cub game in Wrigley, and we will make it happen. So all that's right. uh, that's the comment. Very nice. So uh, that's the uh, opening stuff. Uh, 
JJ, Max, how are you two? What, Max? I'm fine. A little bit tired, but I'm managing. Look at that guy, man. Ace and all of his tests taking over. Graduate. He's 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 finished. I'm done. I'm completely done. Oh, you're done? done? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all it's celebrating. Getting yeah, that's why he's drinking. He's done, yeah. So <laughs> he's done. So oh, we are we are Monday. We are going up to Kirksville to uh move everything out of his apartment that we can carry with us. And what we can't carry with us, we will put it the curve and let some other freshman sophomore pick it up and put it in there. Well, I hope you have good weather because it's been kind of shoddy weather and i hear sunday monday they're calling for some some uh possible bad weather so i hope we have good weather and i tell you what i don't know about you guys but this is like the furthest point away from the baseball season it's cold it's windy it's been sleeting and snowing i don't know where this is we're all around the st louis area all you folks i know we got people that listen all the way over in thailand and cincinnati and down in texas but uh, up here it's been kind of rough weather so uh I tell you what, I've, I'm really uh, missing baseball season. I don't know about you guys, but it's been kind of a rough time. I know college football just ended, and that's just one of the little yard markers to us getting closer to the baseball season. I, because of this show, the off season has not been nearly as dreadful as it used to be. Last year, the show really got me through the off season. And this year, it's kind of getting me through the uh, the off season too. So, um, I feel like we're fortunate that we can do this show, and uh, other people, you know, just kind of sit there and get depressed like I used to, and cry in the fetal position when baseball season was over. So, what do we got? Like seven, six, five weeks before spring training? Yeah, I think it's five weeks. I think we're getting near the five week mark. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. I think the Cubs are getting ready too, Vince. Let's let's do Cub news, please. Yeah, I will start with this and then I'm going to turn it over to Max. The Cubs had a major claim off waivers this week when we claimed Brian Servin, a catcher from the Rockies, off waivers. It's apparent that the Cubs are trying to figure out their backup catcher position by having a lot of options that aren't just young options. So, um possible backup catcher this year, um, possible third string catcher, because I think we're going to go into the season barring injury with Jan Gomes and Miguel Amaya as our two catchers. So if we carry a third catcher, um, I guess uh, Brian Servin may be that third catcher, but there's always the possibility we're just going to stick him in AAA or AA and let him catch and bring up, bring him up if we need him an injury so max is there any other cub news yeah well first i'd like to dive into that uh that waiver wire claim so there's actually a a, a lot of competition to Iowa right now because they've got joe hudson jorge alfaro and brian servin now in in the system uh servin is well he's he has to be on the 40 man right now but uh alfaro and hudson are on minor league deals so it is very interesting uh Alfaro and Hudson probably have opt-outs after spring training, but Servin has options, so he's optionable catcher depth, and they're probably not ready to bring Pablo Aliendo up yet, but it is it's quite fascinating. I mean, I'm I'm quite looking forward to this battle between these three catchers in spring training. In fact, that's 
That's the one thing, if I were a Cubs fan, the one thing I would keep my eye on the spring spring training is, you know, that third catcher battle. battle. Uh, and another unrelated Cub news, they actually did sign someone, uh, Shota Imanaga. Uh, they've been, it's been rumored that they are the, uh, his decision, the, the final team, the terms haven't been disclosed yet, although it's rumored to be somewhere in the $15 million range. Very exciting. He's a left-hander, and um, he sports uh, four pitches. Uh, fastball, changeup. Is it a curve or a slider and a splitter? He's got like a weird – he's got a splitter and a kind of like a sweeper pitch he throws yeah. also. Okay. And he throws in the mid-90s. In six years in Japanese baseball, he's got an ERA of about 3.15, somewhere around there. First career, he averages close to a strikeout an inning. So he slots very nicely into being that second or third starter behind Justin Steele that we're looking for. Do you think we're done looking for pitching? or As far as the starting pitching goes, uh, probably close to it. The Cubs have a lot of very near MLB-ready pitching talent. Uh, ben Brown, uh, Cade Horn will probably get some starts at some point. Even guys like Caleb Killian, who kind of their prospect stock has fallen. Killian still touches 97. I have hope for him. And if he uh, kind of last year was lost year, um, even guy, and then you got Jordan Wicks also. So, and, and Javier Assad. So they're, they have six or seven or eight, you know, LB ready starting pitchers. Uh, granted, you know, not all of them are going to be ready or effective most likely, but there is a lot of depth. Uh, Steel, even though I guess your one, two is perfectly fine. Uh, I've actually spent all day today, not all day today, I spent a good chunk of my day today doing research on Imanaga. I texted you this morning. I said, I have a feeling in my gut the Cubs are going to sign Imanaga. Yes, um, and we are going to go on the uh, carnival circus and make a lot of circuit, make a lot of money, you know, uh, guessing futures and stuff. I will manage you. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> mm -hmm. But um, he's got a lot to love about him. Uh, he's a lefty who touches, you know, 94 95 with this fastball it's a very unique fastball it has some very interesting characteristics for a, a fastball thrown by a lefty it has a ton of vertical break uh the only i said the only comps i saw for it were like alex Vesia, who you know is a fairly effective reliever for the dodgers uh and there was one other guy who i can't remember but he's got some very interesting pitch pitch shapes the, the shape on his pitch is very interesting he has home run issues which could be a problem at wrigley but that might be a matter more of location rather than, you know, the raw stuff. Uh, his pitches are pretty nasty from what I've seen. Uh, he had a strikeout rate of, you know, 10, 10 Ks per nine, which is very impressive in the MPB where, you know, guys don't strike out, you know, like they do here. So he's he's got strikeout stuff, which the Cubs rotation desperately needed. You know, if I had to guess, he'd, he'll probably have over 150 Ks, you know, Fangraphs has him projected for around that. Zips has him projected for around that. So I, I have hope. Um, obviously, it's a big adjustment coming here, but Kodai Senga is, is probably his closest comp in terms of what you would hope to expect from him, maybe best case scenario. Uh, probably the, his medium, his median outcome is probably a 3.7, 3.8 ERA. Um, fair number of innings, a lot of strikeouts, though. I like... Um... Last week I made a statement on there on the um, show that I 
I cannot remember the name of the guy I was listening to. It's just blanking on me. But he was saying that the Cubs from here on out are only going to trade for or sign pitchers, starting pitchers that they will make a start in the postseason. So that's just a steal. Cubs make the playoffs just as steal as your game one starter right mm -hmm. now. I mean, he may go out and uh, crap the bed this year. Who knows? But as of right now, you got a number one in steal who could start a playoff game. After that, who did you really have? Kyle Hendricks, maybe. You'd feel comfortable with him because he's a veteran, but he's not really that player. So this guy brought up, if the Cubs make the playoffs, they're only going to make the playoffs if Cade Horton comes in and makes the roster sometime during the year and has an impact, and he has the stuff to be a playoff pitcher. That's two playoff pitchers there, one in the system, one on, you know, on the MLB roster. Now we've got that third pitcher who could make a playoff start. I'm mm -hmm. still of the mindset that if we can let's go, let's go to Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery is asking for a contract that's better than Aaron Nola. Uh-uh. I'm not doing that. He's had one decent playoff run and some decent years. He's not Aaron Nola, but he's got Scott Boris as his agent. So I would move on from that. So I would still be open to listening to trade options for uh Shane Bieber. Other than that, I'm pretty comfortable with the pitching going into the season if we don't have someone, because a lot of people do not take this into consideration, but real hardcore baseball fans, the team that you break spring training with is not the same team you're going to finish with. There's a trade deadline that comes in the summer that you're going to make any additions or tweaks to your teams that you need to make. So I'm pretty comfortable with the pitching right now as it stands. I think there's room for improvement, but I wouldn't cry if this was a staff we have going into the season. We still need the center field situation settled. We still need the first base situation settled. We still need the third base situation settled. That's I. We need two of those three positions settled before we start the season. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think uh, it's all Scott Boris, man. Um, None of like they have all leverage right now. You know, Reese Hoskins is a perfect fit for the Cubs. He's a Scott Boris guy. He's not going to sign before Ballinger. It it, it kind of sucks because the Cubs are in on both those guys. When you know all Scott has to do is effectively just wait. Um, right now it feels like the Cubs are the only real suitor for Bellinger, which kind of makes things a bit weird. Um, uh, also I, I wouldn't say the pitching is necessarily done because they still need probably another another one or two quality relievers. Um, just as far as like the bullpen completely fell apart in the last month of the season, no one was healthy. You can't have Abbott closing 70 games a year or whatever. I mean, it's just not going to work. So ideally they probably need a reliever like the, the Robert Stevenson kind of sphere, someone who's going to be your, your eighth inning guy. My issue with Ross last year when the bullpen fell apart, he had one guy who had the stuff to get out lefties and righties, and he didn't use him that much, and that was Luke Little. You might as well die with the guy with the best stuff rather than recycling people who – your Quasses. Quas is a good six-inning guy. He's not an eighth, ninth-inning guy. Um, a lighter junior who, who lost his splitter the last month of the season. Quit sending him out there. Sink or swim with Luke Little. 
That's what I would have rather done. Mm-hmm. That, you know, so I think Luke Little is going to be a big part of this bullpen this year. I love his stuff. And I think maybe a Ben Brown could be a big part of the bullpen too. Mm-hmm. So, I think it'll be guys like that who certainly step up. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how council kind of manages that. Um, who was there? There was a rookie reliever on the Brewers this year who touched like 101 or something crazy. Um, trying to remember his name. But um, I don't know. I mean, that guy was a rookie. He came up and he was immediately in high leverage spots because he had the stuff for it. And, you know, Luke Little, he he pitched fantastic. He threw, I don't know, seven or eight innings of a zero ERA ball, just striking out everybody. I mean, he touches 100. Guys He's, like that should be getting in. 105. Yeah, in uh, there was a video in college of him hitting 105. Oh, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the hesitation was because he was stretched out as a starter to begin the year, and maybe didn't know how he would transfer into that relief role. But he seemed completely comfortable when he did actually pitch. Um, they certainly have a lot of internal options, and I think it. If the front office doesn't acquire, you know another reliever or any relievers i think that really speaks to their faith in the pitching development yeah yeah well jj you've got some exciting news as far as the cardinals go they've they've had a busy week yeah we've been we've made a couple of moves and and congratulations on your pickup too i i know it's kind of early but i'm sure most of the cub fans are pretty excited about that uh because you know you always heard the cubs hadn't made any moves yet but i knew it was just a matter of time they probably were big on Yamamoto and some of those other guys. And, of course, things just went the other way. But congratulations. And I tell you what, it's going to be a heck of a season. This division's going to be, I think, wide open. But the car on the Cardinals' side, the Cardinals traded one of their outfielders, uh, Richie Palacios. Uh, a lot of people checked out of the season. A lot of the average fans, once the Cardinals were way out of it, they didn't really watch. But Palacios came up at the end of the year. We got him from the uh, Cleveland Ball Club for cash considerations. Now I've heard some Cleveland fans saying we we drafted this guy, we we hit, we're working with him, and he never really bloomed. And then he goes to St. Louis, and he had a great couple of months with us. Uh, but I hate to see him go. But we have a log jam of outfielders out there, and I knew some had to go. Tyler O'Neill went to Boston, and now Palacios is going to uh, Tampa Bay. And uh, good luck. He, I, I wish him all the best. I love that kid. He wore the goggles. And I remember there was a big game we had where uh, it was him, us versus us, the Cardinals versus the Pirates. And he got to play his brother. And it was really kind of a neat thing to see. And both of them came up big, his brother in the second game. And I know he him in the third game. But uh, we trade him over to uh, Tampa Bay. And we got a reliever who's coming off of Tommy John surgery, uh, Andrew Kittridge. Um, uh, I'm excited about this. This guy was a, a all-star. Uh, he played since 2016 with Tampa Bay. Uh, the last couple of years has been sparse playing time because of he had the injury, but, um, uh, this could be something good. He's 33 years old, which, um, as a reliever, I don't think that's such a big thing as a starter because they're going to pick his spots and everything. Uh, you know, when you're 33 and you're a starter, you're starting to maybe get at the end of it, unless you're a freak like Nolan Ryan or Clayton Kershaw or somebody like that. But as a reliever, that's not so bad. Um, he, uh, he's he been in the big league since 2016 with a 3.56 ERA, 15 saves. He's more of a middle reliever, and, and he had one all-star appearance. But to be honest with you, 
every team gets an all-star participant, and he was the one participant from Tampa Bay that year. So that's to be honest. But our outfield still, we have a lot of outfielders and some more coming. So um, I don't know what they're going to do about this, but Alec Burleson can play first and the outfield. We we have Dylan Carlson, who I hope can uh, – defensively, I'd love him to be our center fielder. He's just got to cut down on the strikeouts, and I wish he would only bat one side of the plate. There's one side of the plate he's a much better hitter, but uh, um, for some reason they still have him out there to switch hitting. So we'll see. I love Dylan Carlson. I hope he – we have so many players that are just – these young guys in their second and third years that really haven't stepped up to the next level. They're just, you know, you know, uh, have a shot at being really good players. So Carlson's one of them. Uh, Gomez is still on the team. Newt Barr, Walker, and then, of course, Edmund and uh, Donovan can play the outfield as well. They play everywhere on the diamond. So that was our big, big move. And I wish Richie all the luck out there because he's such a nice guy. Big smile on his face. And I'll be watching some Tampa Bay games just to see him play. But it looks like on their roster, he'll be the fifth outfielder. And that's kind of what he was with us, too. And I didn't see him getting a lot of uh, playing time. So this was a good pickup for that for that deal. I I, I, I like the trade because if Kenridge, if he does bounce back, he's going to be an asset to the bullpen. Oh, um, yeah, we needed some this, help in that bullpen. This is a situation where his age is going to be something that's going to be a positive because – He's going to be one of the older people in the bullpen, so he's going to be one of the bullpen leaders. Um, the I and I've seen the memes, you know. Well, you know the Rose Arena stuff, you know. I traded to the oh. race for a pit, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> this guy was going to be at best your fifth outfielder, or probably starting in AAA. Yeah. So I I thought. You, yeah. you got you've got to trade some of this talent somewhere and i thought for the potential he's shown compared to the pitcher that you got um yeah it's a pretty good trade that was yeah, even. I, I hope it works out for both teams and like you said vince the team that you start with april 1st is not the team you end with and richie may be out there starting you know he may work his way into that lineup and good for him and if you if you ever had a bad trade you never I mean, every team's had bad trades. You, you you wouldn't stop trading with that team. I mean, we've had some really good trades. And we've had some really bad trades. And the Rosarina was one of the bad ones, but uh, we still make deals with Tampa Bay. Another move the Cardinals made this uh, this week, uh, they hired an executive, Heim Bloom, from the Red Sox. And I've heard the name over the years a lot. And to be honest with you, he's 40 years old. Vince, he's 40 years old. Man, that makes me feel. What have I done with my life? Ian Bloom is only forty years old, and he's with he was with Tampa Bay ten plus years, and a big part of their minor league system and working weight people. The the man Tampa Bay's got a great minor league system, and they do it on a shoestring budget, and they brought up so many pitchers through the years, and that's one thing the Cardinals have not done. He went out to Boston. I don't think that was a good fit for him anyway, because about the time he went out there, they kind of cut their payroll a lot. So um, I don't hold that against him, but he's coming here. And to be honest with you, everything I've heard is John Mosellock's just got like two years on his contract left. He may be retiring and uh, maybe Bloom is just coming in, learn the Cardinal way, have a fresh perspective, do things in a, a new light, a new uh, voice in the room. And uh, I'm kind of excited about it, you know? Um, so I I uh, appreciate the Cardinals going out and getting this guy, uh, top management kind of guy, and let's see what happens. 
So he's going to be with the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know. Right now he's with us. I don't think he's going to uh, – what the, What else have I heard about him? That's about it for him. Do uh, you have any thoughts on Heim, the Heim Bloom? Uh, no, I, I think it is – he's at the right age uh, to be the replacement for Mosellock if he chooses to go elsewhere after two years. Um, and Mosellock may want to go somewhere where they're a little more loose with the spending. Um, every GM wants to have be on a team where you can spend a little bit more, you know, like the guy that went to the from the Brewers to the Mets, you know. And so yeah. that that may be that's probably the avenue the Cardinals are looking at. This is a young guy who's 40, who's got a lot of experience for his age. And after a couple of years, he's gonna take over and and work his magic and Mosellock chooses to retire, chooses to do something else with his life, or he chooses to be a GM for another team. Um that avenue is open for him. So uh, not not a bad hire. I've seen people who've said online, you know, we need to bring back a Luno. Um, uh, uh, why? Why? Uh, he and the Cardinals did not have no, a, and, and well. He's kind of been a scumbag, so why bring him back? So yeah, I wish him well, but not, don't come back, please. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there is things going on this week in Cub and Cardinal land. This is the week they have their winter warm-ups. Uh, the Cardinals call it the winter warm-up. It's going to be January 13th through the 15th. I've never been. It's a. It's nice. They have uh, questions and answers. They have uh, demonstrations. Uh, you meet the players. They get everybody excited about the upcoming year. And it's down there at uh, Baseball Village in the in Bush Stadium. But also, the Cub Fan Fest is going on this week, January 12th through the 14th at the Sheridan, the Grand, the Sheridan Grand in Chicago. So they bring back a lot of the old players, and uh, we both know a lot of Cardinal Cub fans will be out there and getting their pictures and stuff signed. So it's just a good time. And I know the Cardinals also have a caravan. There's like six groups that drive through different towns, kind of get everybody revved up. They take pictures and uh, talk about the upcoming season and everything. And it's usually – um, some young players and a, and a few coaches or something like that. And they just, when, they go to Cape Dorado and all over the place. When did the Cardinals start doing this caravan? The first time I heard of, about it was about 10 years ago, about okay, 10 years ago. When I lived in Kansas city, that's what the Royals did. And it oh, wouldn't okay. just be, you know, it would be Brett, Bo Jackson. It would, you know, they did oh. that caravan thing with, cause their fan base is in these little towns scattered in kansas and missouri and a little bit of oklahoma so they would just do this caravan thing and i i didn't i think for a long time they were the only team doing it that way and uh they had a write-up in sports illustrated about it um it was so cool and now uh the cardinals doing a lot of teams with the the cubs i don't think do anything comparable to it but uh yeah pretty cool thing you know you in a small town, Cape Girardeau, you know, hey, the oh. Cardinals are coming for Arkansas. Yeah, this is a chance. Some of the people don't make the trip up to see a, a real game. And here's the players you hear about. And here they are coming through. Auerbowski, he's always on these caravans and things like that. Jose Okendo, uh, you know, folks like that. So it's pretty cool. And I know a lot of people who go to them, a lot of kids, they go to schools or, you know, community centers and things like that. So it, it's a good time. I got Very some cool. dates on here. This date, 
January 9th uh, in, in, in baseball history. I got three events that happened on this date. In uh, 1990, Jim Palmer and Joe Morgan were inducted to the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, Vince, that's in our wheelhouse, Jim Palmer and Joe Morgan. Those guys, we grew up loving them. We didn't get to see Palmer much because we didn't get to see American League games. But Joe Morgan and the Reds used to smack the Cardinals around in the 70s every time we played them. So that was 1990. In 1989, Johnny Bench and uh, Carl Yaskrimski went into the Hall of Fame. And between them, they played 40 years, and they both played for the same team all those years. That was pretty cool. I, I was a big fan of Carl Yaskrimski. It wasn't Johnny Bench. Like last week, Vince, we said he's the greatest catcher we've ever seen in our lifetimes. Yeah. So, so that was it. And then 1952, on this date, uh, the Korean War was still going on, and the Marines gave notice to Ted Williams that he was to return to active duty. So this man went to World War II for three years, comes back, is the greatest hitter that ever lived, and then he retires and has to go off to Korea and be a fighter pilot again. Ted Williams, man, that's that's something else right there. So 1952, that happened. And then this day, I like to talk about the dates. I look up all this stuff, but there's two players that have birthdays today one's a cardinal one's a cub today is born in 1970 cardinal tj matthews tj matthews birthdays today's from columbia <laughs> illinois well oh, i haven't been at belleville illinois i he's probably born in belleville grew up in he went to high school in columbia oh is that close by is yeah it, they're close by oh they're close by he spent eight years in the big leagues 32, he was a reliever, 32 and 26, 16 saves and a 3.82 ERA. And got uh, traded for McGuire. Yes, that's what I remember about him more than anything. He was Ian Blake Stein. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the Cubs side, today's birthday is a name we all love, Ivan De Jesus. Yeah. Born today. Yeah. Good old, and that is not just a little clue. That is not Ivan De Jesus behind Vince up back there. That is not Ivante Jesus. <laughs> um, he was born in Puerto Rico. He played for a lot of clubs. He played 15 years. He was a Dodger, a Cub. He played for the Cubs more than anybody, five years. The Phillies, the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Giants, and the Tigers. And he ended his 15-year career with 1,167 uh, hits. Um a 254 batting average, but he in those uh 15 years he ended with 194 stolen bases. So that's a that's a pretty good statistic there. And he brought so, over anyway, Stanford. That's who we traded for Stanford. Yep. Yep. Oh. Well, see, Dallas Green came over from the Phillies to the Cubbies, and he and he had a, a he knew how good Sandberg was. I wonder if Council might bring some of those Brewer guys over that he knows about. Well, originally the trade was just going to be uh, DeJesus for Boa. And uh, that's when Dallas Green said, throw that Sandberg kid in too. And the Philly said, double. all right. So oh. that's got it. <laughs> right there. A uh, little bit of a, uh, names of notice that's been a, in the transactions this past week. The Angel signed pitcher Zach Plesak. Um, father, former Cub, former Brewer, uh, Zach has pitched for the Guardians, and I 
think he was suspended for COVID violation of some kind a few years ago. That's springing by. But anyway, he had that one good year, and he's just kind of not rebounded since then. Uh, the White Sox signed veteran catcher Martin Maldonado. Pirates signed pitcher Martin Perez. The Rockies signed Dakota Hudson, former Cardinal. And they also signed Jacob Stallings, former catcher for the Pirates and the Mariners. And why is that significant? This is why it's significant is because Jacob Stallings' father is Kevin Stallings, who coached basketball at uh, Vanderbilt, uh, Illinois State, and uh, I can't remember where else. But uh, Kevin Stallings graduated from high school from Collinsville, Illinois, was a heck of a basketball player. Oh. And uh, this is how this uh, six degrees of separation separation from Vinny goes uh my ex-wife grew up right down the street from Kevin Stallings and Kevin's sister Cindy was my wife's good friend growing up so it's a small world Jacob Stallings you don't know it but somehow we're almost related uh the brewer signed uh first baseman catcher Austin Nola uh, the Brewers trade Justin Chambers to the Dodgers for Brian Hudson, pitcher for pitcher. The Mets signed former Cardinal center fielder Harrison Bader, and they signed pitcher Sean Manaya. The uh, Manaya deal is a two-year deal, and he has an opt-out after one, one year. What the heck? I mean, two-year, $28 million for a guy who has kind of uh, fallen apart the last few years. I don't opt-out after one year. Mariners trade Robbie Ray, former uh, Cy Young winner Robbie Ray to the Giants for right fielder Mitch Hanniger and pitcher Anthony DiScofina. And I do like uh, that the uh, um, Mariners picked up uh, a quality major league hitter and a quality major league starter for the price of a Robbie Ray who seems to be trending down. Uh, so I thought that was a pretty good trade. Uh, the the Twins, uh, they claimed Brian Jensen off uh, waivers from the Marlins. The Red Sox uh, signed one of the bigger free agent pitchers left on the market, Lucas Giolito, um, who uh, seems to be kind of maybe going on the downhill directory too. Uh, trajectory too, excuse me for that. Uh, uh, what's the word I wanted? Verbal mistake. Uh, and uh, the Mets hired Rachel Balkovic as the director of player development, the Mets, the Marlins did. So uh, the, the Marlins, uh, they had a uh, Kim, um, I can't remember her name, the Asian lady. They had her for the GM and she left and now they have hired a female for director of player development. So they're one of the more progressive organizations when it comes to um, their hiring practices. So that's pretty cool. So. Any of those transactions worthy of discussion? Well, Ryan Jensen was a Cub for a while. It came up in the system. He's been kind of in the the DFA limbo where teams kind of want him, but they don't want him for a 40-man spot. So everyone's trying to pass him through waivers, and he keeps getting claimed by everybody. Uh, so he's kind of in a, in limbo right now. Um He's a renter. He's not buying his houses. So. Mm, yeah, he is waiting until spring training. I'll say that. What do y'all think about the uh, Giolito and uh, Manaya signings? 
Actually, I kind of like the Manaya signing. Um, I saw when he came back from his injury last year, uh, from that point onwards, he had like a 3.5 ERA with peripherals to match. So, you know, maybe there is hope for him. I have more. I think he's going to be a more effective pitcher than Giolito. Giolito is going to give you a ton of innings, but uh, Manaya, I think, has a lot more upside. Very yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, and I I do like Harrison Bader going to the Mets, and I think the Mets have learned their lesson, and they've got an intelligent GM now, um, who is not just going to say, "Yeah, let's throw money at forty year old pitchers who might get injured." Um, forty billion for you. I got thirty seven billion for you. Uh, those days seem to be over, and uh, Harrison Bader is a pitcher's dream in center field because he's going to catch everything that's hit in his general direction. Um, so that's a good signing for the Mets. I like that. So I, you know, my jury's out on Benaya, you know, um, I think I saw him twice last year and he looked so bad both times. So, um, then he gets sent to like the instructional league last year. Oh, you're thinking of the, uh, the Blue Jays pitcher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, no, I can't remember his name. The, uh, the big guy, the big Man- guy. Manoa. Manoa, yeah. yeah, yeah Manoa, yeah. yeah. So, um, but anyway, that's the uh, transactions. But, yeah, you know, as far as uh, further trades, you know, he's never going to get traded. Oh, you, I would never trade him. He's the, he's the piece of the pie you got ahead, Jeremy Cotter. Jeremy Cotter is never going to get traded. Comes a time in every man's life when he needs some advice on relationships. You need to listen to the podcast DMDR, which stands for Dating, Marriage, Divorce, Remarriage, from my good friend, Jeremy Connor, the Dr. Phil of the Boot Hill. You can find DMDR on Spotify or whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. And welcome to our interview segment. And we have a special guest with us, another graduate of Wood River High School. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you you were a year behind me. So you graduated in 85. Yep. So that means you're just a year younger than me. So you're 34. That that works out great. So Perfect. That's that's the math that I got from my baseball coach, uh, Mr. Davis. So I wonder if Mr. Davis is still with us. I don't know. But anyway, uh, uh, Scott Thromberry, uh, I've known him since uh, we played uh, football together in high school. Uh, way back in the 80s and uh this is the first time we've seen each other since probably 1984 and like he said i have not changed a bit i have looked (laughs) like this i've looked like a pudgy middle-aged balding man since i was 16 years old and i'm proud of so anyway scott how are you doing i'm doing well i'm doing well i appreciate you guys uh inviting me i I don't know what i'm in store for but you know i'm up for it so we start with something very soft. Um, tell us about your history as a baseball fan. Were you raised as a Cardinal fan? How you fell in love with baseball? You know, baseball fan, I'm a, I'm a Cardinal fan, so I hate to disappoint. I see all the Cub background, but, uh, you know, obviously a St. Louis person, it, uh, I grew up a Cardinal fan and, you know, got into it. And uh, as we talked a little bit before the show with uh uh, if you remember old Donnie Cobb was one of my coaches and oh, yeah. Terry Brown was one of my coaches. And, uh, you know, we played the little league baseball and you played 16 games in a summer and you thought that was the best of all. And, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, that was about it, you know, summer was over, baseball was over. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's here 35, 40 years later, and it's just, um, it, it couldn't be further different than, than the way it was when we grew up much simpler, but, uh, you know, now you're, you're playing year round and it, it's become, it's become quite complicated. So. Quite complicated indeed. Um, I reconnected with you on Facebook and you, you put a lot of posts about your, you've got two sons and they're both excellent athletes as you were growing up. And you have a son, Connor, who is a sophomore, a redshirt sophomore at Penn State playing yep. baseball. Mm -hmm. And you have a son, Caden, who's a sophomore at Marquette High at uh, the western part of St. Louis County. And he's also an excellent athlete, plays baseball, uh, starting quarterback uh, as a sophomore on the varsity. That's very, very impressive. Uh, so I've kind of kept up with you like uh through what your your you post about your kids doing, and my sister, her second son, he was a pretty good baseball player. And whenever she was telling me about all the stuff that he was doing, I thought, man, things have really changed. Uh, there's 16 games, and if you were good enough to make the All Star team, you went and you played. Like I said, one year, I think we played Granite City and got completely stomped. And so we didn't go to the World Little League World Series, which I thought we would. Um, but it's quite an investment of, uh, of time. It's quite an investment of, uh, of finances. Um, tell us how the kids got involved in baseball and what all you have done to foster their uh their baseball lives. Sure. I, uh, I don't think when I started, I knew what I was getting myself into. I'll start by saying that is that, you know, I was still the kid from Wood River that, okay, my, my five-year-old wants to play baseball and we're going to play 15 games in the pond athletic league. And it's going to be a great time. And who cares if they win or they lose, or if my kid's good or my kid's bad, it's just, he's, it's just part of growing up. Right. And um, so we played the, the first year and the second year, and you could start to see that, you know, that it was a little bit more competitive than that. And, and I think when it all kind of came to a head, and this kind of sounds really scary to say this, but my kid was seven and the coach came up to me after the, the, the season. And he's just like, well, Scott, I have to have this conversation with you, but we're going to cut your kid. He's just not good enough to pay play for the pond sluggers. <laughs> wow. That's heartbreaking. I, it was. It was a complete heartbreaker. I my kids seven years old. So, but this comes back to how do you how I raise my kids, how my my wife and I have been married 30 years, by the way. So oh, congratulations. Lovely, yeah, thank you. A lovely wife and and how we raise our kids. And, and it comes back to is that I had that choice where at, at seven, do I just tell him, yeah, let's go do something else, son. Let's go, you know, let's go to another team. And, and, you know, or do I just be flat out honest with it? You're not good enough. Took mm. that road. I, I mean, I, I've always been, whether they're seven or he's 20 years old, he's 21 now. I mean, it's, it's a very transparent relationship. And so I sat down with my kid at seven years old and I just said, look, you're not good enough. They don't want you on the team. They don't want you on the team. And he's like, well, I want to play on that team. That's all my buddies. I'm like, well, he's like, how can I play on that team? So I had to go back. I had to finagle my way back on to the coach, to the team. And I said, just give us, give us the fall season to work through it. 
And, uh, and, you know, it's kind of a do or die. If you cut him again after the fall, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll live with it. You know, I'll move on to greener pastures. Right. And so, you know, then it started, you know, okay, we're going to go to the hitting cages. Okay. We're going to get instructors. Okay. We're going to, you know, learn how to be a better baseball player. And, you know, I mean, my 21 year old is the one thing he had going for him at that time was his size. You know, he's a big kid. He's, he ended up being six, six and you know, I think he's six, six, two thirty five, two forty now. And he's, he's a big kid. And, but he was always a head taller, even at that age. And so, you know, I gotta, you, you gotta learn how to hit the ball far. That's what you gotta do. If you're going to make this team, you gotta learn how to hit the ball far. And so, you know, let's just say we had a good fall for the, to keep this as short as possible is that he had a good fall and he hit, he hit the ball far and they were like, okay, let's, um, we want this kid to play on our team. And so, you know, the first life experience for a, a seven-year-old, right? You're not good enough. And, and, and it's been a great, it, it's actually good that he went through that because that's not the first and, and not the last time that that's happened in life with him as he's played sports and he's been an incredible athlete at all levels. Um, but you know, as you got it there seven years old and you're like, okay, let's go. But then that's when it started. And that was the transition was this coach was like, okay, guys, last year it was 30 games this year. If we don't play a hundred, we failed. Wow. I, I took the bait. I went, I said, I'm all in, let's go. My kid was having a blast. I was enjoying the life with the parents. I was, you know, it was, it was a fun thing to do, but it, you know, it's still, it's, it's a lot of time, you know, and, and, you know, and if you really want your, your child, you know, whether it be softball or baseball or any sport to anything they're passionate about, it doesn't have to be baseball. Um, you've got to be a part of it. You've got to be a part of it. And, and that's where, you know, with, you know, I, so many kids nowadays, I see that, you know, yeah, they're going to the best coaches and they got the best lessons and they, you know, it's mom and dad dropping them off. You know, I, listen, I wasn't the greatest baseball player in the world. I'll say it straight up. But after 20 years of seeing the best coaches and being at practices every day and, and listening to people talk about the fundamentals of playing the game, I know it pretty well. But that's the involvement that I have with my kids. And, and so, you know, ask me what I did on Christmas, you know, on Christ, the Christmas Day after the presents were all open, after we ate meals, what was I doing? I was up at the batting cages throwing BP. I was throwing BP. I, you know, I mean, it, my kids, will, you know, he comes home for Christmas and he'll be like, you know, my other one will go up there and he'll throw now because he's a pitcher now, but the other one he wants to hit. So it's, it's that involvement and that, and, and that's where you really, that makes the difference, right? I mean, you've got to work with your kids because you can send your kid to a coach and it can be very expensive but that's one day, one hour a week. What happens with the other six or seven days and what happens with the rest of the time? You've got to have that commitment. And, and so, you know, my it's seven at eight, nine. I mean, he started to experience success. And so as success grows, more do the opportunities, right? I mean, so the better he got at seven, eight, nine years old, the more opportunities came along. And so then you had, you know, teams, and then you'll, you'll love this is that, so that's the other part. And this was before really now it's commonplace, but this is when he was 10, 11 years old. How do you get your kid noticed? 
man, there was this great thing out there back then called Twitter. And, and if you started putting your stuff on Twitter, people around the country would see it. And so, you know, so that's where we started laying a foundation on Twitter to where, you know, we would post different highlights as he was continuing to grow up. But then I was getting coach calls from coaches in Florida and from the Carolinas and from Texas and from, from other places that said, Hey, is your kid open this weekend? Would you, would you like to come and play? And so, and I've been blessed from a, from a professional standpoint to, to be able to afford these things because they're incredibly expensive. Um, it's a lot of travel. I travel for work. So I have a ton of frequent flyer miles and a ton of, you know, hotel points and, and of the likes, but it's, it, that's, it, it evolves from there and it, and it continued, but, and, and, and I'll tell you it with the older one, I was incredibly hard on, it. you know, I was, I was, we've all seen it, right. That dad, you know, we've all seen the videos, right. The, the dad, and, and it's pretty, it's, it's pretty embarrassing because I have a YouTube channel that I've got over 700 videos on the YouTube channel. And these are from my kids from when they're babies to, to today. I post videos of games, highlights, you name it, but it's seven, 800 videos. So you can see the one at 16 now where I'm drawing chalk lines on the concrete floor to make sure he keeps his feet to where he's in his diaper and he's hitting off a tee at two. Hmm. And, and there's, there's other videos where I'm screaming at my kids to, to do better. It's just embarrassing. It's to, to where I've evolved as a parent to where now my second one's going through it and I'm not the same way as I was with the first, you know? So I've learned, yeah, you learned a lot. It's, I've, I've learned a lot, you know, I don't need to. And, and I kind of chuckle at the parents that, that are going through it the first time that are doing what I did when I went through it the first time. So, you know, the second time through the second one, he's blessed, right? He got to, he got to hang out with all the kids. He got to see all the training he got to. So he had an advantage over the first one, but um, with him, he's got the internal drive to, to take it to the next level, but he, um, but he's, he, he works hard at it. You know I mean? It, it, I'm, I, I want him to have fun. You know, I, I can't sit here and honestly tell you with the first one, that I always wanted him to have fun. I wanted him to hit a damn home run and I yeah. wanted to win the game. Okay. It's not about that. And I learned that, but it took me time to learn that. So, you know, but, but that's, that's where it evolved from. And then I think when they got to, you know, when the older boy got to Connor got to you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, um, you either have, you know, they, they're either going to develop the, the passion from within and, and I coach little league football too. So, you know, my kids make fun of me because I always talk about my passion speech, right? You can teach kids how to play. You can show them instruction. You can, you can show them what they need to do to be successful. The one thing I can't give any kid and I'd love to give any kid is passion to play the game. If I can give you passion, if I could give it to you, I would, but I can't, you've got to have it from within. So I've taught my kids that. And so when they get to be about eighth or ninth grade, it's like that passion takes over. And now they're on their own and, and I'm still along for the ride. Believe me, I'm still shagging fly balls. I'm still throwing batting practice. I'm still, you know, before they could drive, I, I, you know, I'm taking them everywhere. I'm still spending all my money, but you know, it's, but it's, but that passion's there. And now 
it's pretty exciting to see them continue to grow into who they're going to become. Um, but like I was saying earlier, it, those hard talks don't come at just seven years old or nine or 10, or, you know, they get to be 15 or 16, you know, those, those conversations go on all the way through. And so you've, you've got to, the, the one thing that I've always had with both kids is, is transparency. You know, when I didn't think they were playing their best, I would tell them that when they would ask me, you know, I mean, it wasn't always sunshine and rainbows, right? It's not always, you know, Hey, you just hang in there. You're a great player. You're just super fantastic. Yeah, you are, but are you playing to the best of your ability? Did you go out there and, and do the best that you could do? If you say yes, then I'm good with it. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it, it's, but if you went out there and you weren't all the way in, then why are we doing this? And so, you know, and, and so that's, that's how it got started. I mean, it's, it's evolved over time, but um, you know, even when my son went to up to Penn state, he went up to Penn state as a hitter, believe it or not. And um, you know, he gets up to Penn state and he's there for the first year and he gets done at the end of the year. He had a great first year. I mean, we were excited about it. A little disappointed. We thought he should have played more, but then the coach calls him into the office and says, nah, you're not good enough you need to go on the transfer portal, kid. I need you out of Penn State. And my kid said, I don't want to leave Penn State. I like Penn State. And I, it was probably the hardest conversation. I mean, you're you're talking to somebody now that this has been his whole life and now his whole life's going to end because this coach is saying, look, you're not good enough. And he probably yeah. wasn't. You know, he probably wasn't. So, you know, at 6'6 and 235, 240, he said, but how about if I could pitch, coach? <laughs> and so the coach was like, yeah, whatever. All right, go play in the Northwoods League and come back. And if you if you want to come back and play for the fall and play in the fall, I'll let you come back as a fall player. But I'm probably going to cut you. I'm just telling you that straight up. But come back. And if you can pitch, we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Well, yeah, he came back. He had a great summer. He pitched in the summer. Great. Northwoods League is a fantastic collegiate league. And then he went to he went to uh, back to Penn State. He had a great fall. He got to pitch. He made the team. He got to pitch a lot last year. And so, you know, this year going into this year, it looks like it's going to be a great year for him. He's going to get he's, he's one of their I'm not. Yeah, I hate saying top pitchers, but he's one of their core guys that's going to get innings. Right. I mean, he's a guy that he's 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 going to be a weekend guy i guess in the college world that's what you like to hear yeah you, know, you like that he's going to be a weekend guy so so but you know once again being told that he can't do it and that passion coming out and him saying yeah i can't do it that all that's, came from him that's one of the great things about baseball as opposed to other sports baseball is is a sport that is built on failure you're going to fail oh. more times than you succeed and so you get used to the failure in game failure. And then you got used to the being told you're not good enough and having to overcome that. And going from seven to what the age of 20 and suddenly he's hearing it again. And um, yeah. he, he kind of has to reinvent himself every time he's told you're not good enough, then I've got to find an avenue to be good enough. And that's just how life goes. And that's why one of the reasons why I really love baseball, because it is a sport built on, overcoming your failures knowing that you're going to fail you know even the best seven out of ten times when you're when you're hitting um i i've seen you you've been from alaska to florida and everywhere in between uh baseball tournaments uh, yeah. 
Um, it, it is, it's quite the, the investment in time, but what better way to spend your time with your kids than huh. doing something yeah. that they're passionate about, something you can share in and something that you're using to help mold them into uh, young men. Um, one thing I did want to bring up, uh, your youngest Caden is a pianist, correct? Yep. Does Connor play piano? Eh, a little bit, but you could tell when he started, they got into it at the same time. Yeah. And my one, my daughter is a pianist. She's uh, finishing her graduate degree and she's looking at PhD programs. That's awesome. And one thing that from the time she could play piano, um, I guess she was about eight years old and she wanted to play for release for her recital and her mother said I think you need to try something else and that just pissed her off and she said well I'll show you and that has just kind of been her music career is I'm going to show you I'm going to show you uh, but that discipline that it takes is what drives her uh, or one of the things that drives her into that discipline is people who continually tell her man you've 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 got such a talent and that that kind of gets under her skin because they don't see the eight, 10 hour days of practicing um, until your fingers shake and going to these recitals and, and hearing the perfection at the recital, but knowing what she's put in the past eight months to get there. Yep. So even though your, your kids are great athletes, it's the hard work that makes them excel. And it's the uh, the ability to say, maybe I'm not good enough, but I'm going to find a way to make it. And uh, yeah, I, I commend your kids for that. Well, it's but, the work that no one sees. I mean, it's it's you put all of this time, effort, and energy into it, and no one sees that. All they see is the end product. And and if you could see, you know, the the, the time they spend in the weight room, or if, like you said, you're you know, the time practicing the piano and, and just playing and playing and playing and playing and no one sees and the times that they mess up and the times that they fail and it's just over and over. No one sees that, you know, yeah. they, see it. they see it. I mean, we, we, and then people see it and they're like, Oh my gosh, they're so talented. It was just such your, your, your sons are gifted athletes. Yeah. They got size, they, they, but they worked their, their tail end off to, yeah. to get where they needed to be. So now, Connor was uh, all state in football as a lineman, correct? He was. Caden, obviously a fantastic quarterback at, as a sophomore starting for a big school like Marquette. Yeah. Um, did you, did they ever consider going into football more so than baseball? Because I, Caden uh, has already verbally committed to Mizzou to play baseball, if I'm correct. Yeah. And that, that correct? that's, that's part of, um, it's part of the process, right? I mean, and it's like, I'll talk about Connor first. Is it so Connor, all state, his junior and senior year in football, all state baseball, and the same thing, and all metro, St. Louis, all metro. So, pretty big deal. And he, so he could play either way. Um, part of the challenge of deciding whether or not to go football was he just, I remember him coming to me one day towards the end of the season. I was like, man, you could play football in college. You know, you're going to have to put on 30 or 40 pounds, but you could play in college. And um, he just looked at me and, and he just said, he goes, dad, it's high school football. And he goes, even after the high school football games, he goes, I get headaches. He goes, 
I don't want to do it. He goes, I couldn't imagine it. If I had a guy 300 pounds standing across from me, he goes, I don't want to do it. He just says, I can't. I'm like, okay, we're done. And so we never had another conversation about it. He just, he said that, um, you know, from a, from a health standpoint and he just, He's like, and then I'm not saying that because I still coach it and my other one still plays it. And, you know, but Connor was just like, yeah, I'm ready to move on. And, and I ask him every now and then, cause he gets to watch his brother play. I'm like, do you miss it? And he's like, yeah, I miss it. But I think what they miss is, and this is why Caden likes football. And I would say Caden actually likes football more than baseball is because of the, 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 the team and the, the onesmanship that you have in a football environment. And you don't necessarily have that in a baseball environment. And so, you know, in football, we all know that you got 11 kids on the field. And if one kid misses a block or one kid doesn't do what they're supposed to, the whole team can fail. And, and it's not necessarily always that way in baseball. And so, you know, having to have a, the unity and the close knit group of, of guys that, that, that he has on the field, um, Caden just thrives in that kind of environment. And so, you know, that I, I see him very passionate about it, but I can also be very critical of him and his release is slow and that he needs to pick up his 40 time by three tenths of a second. And man, I, I can go down the list and tell you all of the things that's going to keep him from playing at Illinois or Mizzou or some other school, you know, I mean, so he's got things to work on, but he loves, he loves the football um, baseball. He's just, you know, the advantage for Caden in baseball, he's got an older brother. His older brother was recruited, you know, throughout. So, you know, having, knowing that he has a little brother, they start looking at the little brother. So Caden actually had schools starting to look in, talk to him in seventh and eighth grade back when recruiting was a little bit more lenient. And as Caden got into, he committed, he verbally committed to Mizzou in eighth grade. They since have the, the NCAA has stopped, stepped in and stopped all verbal wow. commitments. And they're like, we're not, this is, this is crazy because seventh grade kids are committing to colleges that they know nothing about. And it's kind of silly. So, yeah. yeah. So the beginning of his, I think the August of his junior year. So he'll play this spring season as a sophomore. He'll go through the summer season and then you can actually commit the, uh, the fall of your junior year. So the, so the NCAA has gotten a little involved in it a little bit. So. JJ, you got any questions? I, I Oh I, yeah. I've been talking. No, no, <laughs> this has been so good. I'm just, enjoying watching it. Scott, I've never met you before. Ah. My name, I'm JJ. I'm the Cardinal part of Sweet. the situation here. And I want to tell you something. I never met you before. Yeah. I, I sound like the amazing Creskin right now. I've never met this man before, but I could tell you were a coach. And be, until you said that, I was like, this guy's a coach. And you said you can't teach, pa teach passion. But right. i tell you what, when I hear you talking, I'm fired up. I'm ready to go out there and do some <laughs> squat thrusts out in the snow right now. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to tell you something. It's changed because I'm the oldest person here. I was I graduated in 83. I okay. When I graduated, Def Leppard's drummer had two arms, okay? That's how old I am, all right? But I, I want to tell you, Little League was completely different. Like, remember we had those little helmets? For oh, running? the half helmets? Yeah, yeah they had the, the half ring on top. That... So the ball wouldn't hit oh, yeah. Yeah, and all that, and um, I loved it. But er some, uh, everybody got to play two innings, and usually we put the <laughs> right field and sad, but that is oh, true. It's... And even on the high school team, if a lot of schools, if you just try it out, you got to make the team in some kind of capacity. Right. I didn't know it was so much uh, competition out there now, you know. And some of the schools have gotten so big, like these five A and six A schools. You know, it's just a handful of kids that make the team. It's it, it's That's pretty it. tough. 
Yeah, but, I mean, you'll, uh, have, you'll, you'll have 100 kids try out. I mean, oh, easy. and what, like uh, probably 16 make the team or something like 13 that? 13 to 16 make the yeah, team. Yeah, it's something. My son plays baseball, but he's a, a nice high school player and things yeah. like that. What age did you know? Because not only size helps and speed, of course, and the desire, but when did you know these guys got like your oldest son had like the skills like so, so connor was connor was a pudgy kid he was um he was always a head taller but he was look i mean it got it, got, it this is how bad it was it's how bad it got is it i had coaches you know he was always a big kid and he could hit the ball a mile but i would have coaches come up and be like yeah he can hit the ball now he's 12 years old but he's a little he's he's a big kid but he's fat your kid's fat that's rough. And, and, your, and your kid's not athletic. If you looked at your kid's ankles, your kid's got thick ankles. So thick ankles, no, nah, he's he's not an athlete. Athletes have thin ankles. I mean, it, it got that bad. And so, so here he is. He's already a head taller. But then there's this thing that I know that maybe we all we have to think back in time called puberty. Puberty. God, you got to love puberty. Things change because <laughs> puberty comes along and all of a sudden my kid goes from boom he goes from being a big kid to a monster he goes to six five six six and he thins out um and and when all that starts happening all the work that he'd done starts to even get bad, better and he he accelerates and and, and he gets and and so and that's when I can remember him being in like going into eighth grade. I was like, he might really have a shot here. He's, he's in eighth grade and he's six foot three and he's thinned out and now he's quick and now he can run. He still couldn't run all that good, but he could run. <laughs> and now all the, the pieces are starting to come together. Right. And, and that's, that's when I started to realize. And then eighth grade, I remember the varsity baseball coach came from high school, came down and started watching him and was just like, yeah, you're going to have an impact. You're going to play. You know, they went to the state finals his sophomore year and um, they lost to, wow, they lost to DeSmet oh, in the uh, wow. state championship. And, um, but yeah, that was, he was a sophomore when they did that, but yeah, he, um, and then his junior year was a COVID year. And then he had a great, uh, great senior year. So, but, um, but yeah, I was probably eighth grade or so. And then the, the younger one, I think we've known it from, I don't know, he was wee high. So just because, you know, when you're that little and you got a brother that's five years older and all the five, those kids are like, get off the field. You can't play with us unless you can catch and run and hit with us. A five, you know, the kid who's five playing with the 10 year olds, he learns real quick how to be able to play baseball with 10 year olds. And so you just, you let it go and, and take shape itself. So. It, it sounds like that was a good school. Your kids went to too, because I've heard a lot of parents say they, they will only let the kid play one sport. Like, okay, you pick your sport and that's it. I have some yeah, friends that yeah. go up to Sekman and they said uh, like lacrosse, their son liked lacrosse, but he wanted to play basketball, but they had it. They wanted him to make a decision there. You know, so, it, it's, I mean, I think there's, it, it doesn't happen at Marquette, you know, Marquette right. that, that they, they've always been respectful of the, the two, the two or three sports. And now I've split them out, you know, I mean, Connor could have probably played basketball and I know Caden can play basketball, but I was like, there's going to be some overlap. So yeah, don't do wrong. the overlap. So 
if you'd make my life a lot easier and I've done a lot for you. So I hope you can take it into consideration when you make this decision, but could you just play two? And they're like, yeah, we'll play two dad. And I was like, all right. So we got, uh, yeah. So we got, we got that going and, and, um, yeah, and mostly we use the winter now for, you know, we, we do a lot of hitting and lifting and a lot of other stuff. And, and like I said, I mean, the crazy thing about, and you guys, and, and probably, you know, parents that, you know, and talk to that have kids in this stuff that, you know, it, it's ridiculous now. Baseball bats now are $500. Um, you know, you've got, you know, playing on a club team or a travel team, you know, back in the day, it was here, pay your $25 for your Corey league team or your little league team. And yeah. now just playing in a 35 or 40 game season with a, a local club team can run you $2,500. You know, you start getting into the high school teams, they can run you three to $5,000, you know, then plus you've got all the travel, then plus you've got, you know, it, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a little bit sad in the, in the fact that I think because of the cost, it excludes some people that, that don't have the means to do it. And, um, you know, it's just, it's sad that it's gotten to that point where, you know, you wish more kids could play and, and they could do more, but it's just, unfortunately with the, it's become like everything else in this, in our society. And this is for a whole different podcast money. It's all about the money, you know? And so, and I see that now with the colleges, I mean, with the NIL money and the, you know, and the kids getting opting out of the games and, and, you know, I've, you know, that's a whole nother podcast too, you know, but it, it's, uh, it, it comes down to the money, it comes down to the money and winning. That's it. You know? And I think a lot of times, whether it be the club or it be the school, not so much the high schools, but at the, but the, the clubs and the colleges, it, it's the kids are just a means to get what the colleges ultimately want. And, and so, you know, the school loves you, the coaches love you, the, that coaches, you know, look, I can pretty much tell you, and I tell this to everybody, I'm like, my, my kid made the club team. Did you walk in with your checkbook open? Cause I'm pretty much, they were sure they were going to find a spot for your kid. As long as you had the checkbook open. Yeah. <laughs> and, and unfortunately that's what it's come to. I mean, it, it's, I, I get it. They want to help the kids and they want to help the kids get better, but they don't necessarily turn kids away. You know, not if they got a, a willing and able parent that's going to pay. Well, I, yeah. I respect, I respect you making those great memories with your kids, probably oh. up and down the road and talking and remembering those days. Uh, that's great. I, I got kind of emotional when you were talking about the time Dude, it, you got to play with your kids. Cause that's beautiful, man. It, it is. It's, it's some of the best times that, that I have, you know, it's like my kid tells me it's kind of funny. We get home and, and the joke is, you know, it's, um, uh, when we're on the road, we have to watch forensic files. I, I don't know why, but as soon as my kid, it, cause we'll never watch that damn show at home. But as soon as we're in a hotel room, my kid will be like, dad, you gotta get forensic files on man. Let's get it going. It, that's just stupid stuff like that, that you'll never forget. So. Well, we do need to wrap this up, man, Scott. Uh, thanks a lot for being on Thank here, you, sir. Um, I, I've, I've thought about getting you on here for a few months, but the timing just hasn't worked out for what we wanted to program. But I thought during the off season, it's a great time uh, for people that are our age to hear about what's going on to get your kid to be 
um, in baseball and other sports at a high level these days, because, you know, like we were talking beforehand, you know, I, I, I was a pretty decent baseball player growing up and I was excited to play 16 games in a summer. And my parents would go to maybe half the games, you know, I didn't care if they were there or not because we were just having fun. And then when, you know, like I said, uh, off the air, when my sister, her son started doing the traveling stuff and everything, I thought, my gosh, times have changed so quickly and it's, it's quite an investment. So I do commend you for your investment. I thank you for your time. Okay. Uh, and, and I would tell you real quick, I'll just finish on this note is just for any parents that are going to do it. You've got to make the commitment just like your child's making the commitment to do it too. So spend the time with them, enjoy it, but you've got to, you've got to, you got to make that commitment. And if you make that commitment, they're willing to make that commitment. Any kid can get to that next level. Great. Thanks a lot, Scott. And yeah, uh, we will, we will see you on down the road. Okay. You got it, my friend. Take care, JJ. Nice hey, to meet hey, you. Take yes, care, always sir. a pleasure, my friend. Take care. All right. Take care. All right, that was uh was my uh friend from high school, Scott. Uh oh, great tremendous uh man, a fired up individual for sure. Yeah, and commitment to uh the process. And uh like I said, I, I wanted to interview him so people who kind of don't understand how the system works now, it has completely changed from you know. When I was a kid, man, 15 games and, you know, oh, yeah. you won or lose, you know, you still got a soda after the game. And it's now, you, for us. now you got a coach saying, seven years old, you're out of here. You suck. <laughs> See, Golly. Now, I can't take that rejection now. When I was seven, I, <laughs> I would have <laughs> cried, man. I would have cried my eyes out. Oh, uh, can, anyway. can, I, can I mention something? Yeah, I went up to the card show. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sunday, all right. And I do have to tell the story. Let me tell you, forty years after you played, you don't sometimes look like you did on the baseball card. You know, you know. So there was three lines. There was the Jackie Smith line, the Johnny Rowland line, and Jackie Smith is still alive. I seen him move around. He didn't look like animatronic or nothing. And then there was Sixto Lescano. All right. Well, Sixto Lescano was late. I didn't know that. So. I thought, can I go on up? And I went up there with my baseball cards, and I was in the Johnny Rowland line. They go, that's Johnny Rowland. Well, you know, Johnny Rowland is an African-American, and uh, six of us kind of Hispanic, so uh, I'm not very good. I See, I see no color. Everyone's equal to me. <laughs> so anyway, I finally got a six of us kind of, and he was late. And I, I bought a few autographs, but I just kept pumping cards to him, and he kept signing them, so I got quite a few. So I will show them at the card time, but I got so much stuff. I I made deals. They're they're willing to make deals this time of year because the baseball season's not uh, going on. So I got a lot of neat things. But here's a couple of things I wanted to share with you. This is from 1974, uh, Sports Illustrated, and the thing on there is uh, it goes the A's go for three in a row, and it's Catfish Hunter on the front of Sports Illustrated. That's pretty cool. Him at the height of his career, right there. Yeah, right Catfish. before that ball hit him in the eye. <laughs> they caught it the last second. Well, then in 1975, they were going for four in a row, which they did not get. But there is Mr. Reggie Jackson. As a kid, I I got a Reggie Jackson A's jersey and a Yankee jersey. I loved Reggie Jackson, Mr. October, and that whole A's team. That was one of my favorite teams back then. 
I also got I had I got a lot of stuff. My wife only knows some of the stuff I got, you know. But I got um, uh, from one collector who collects only vintage stuff. I got another. I didn't. I never have seen this picture before. I got an autographed Enos Slaughter, and as you guys know, that's my favorite player. So that's like my eleventh uh, Enos Slaughter signed piece. And you know, these th there's not a lot of this stuff out there. So if I bump into it, I, I have to get it. I traded for that. And then um, a new thing, Vince, when we see all these man caves and stuff, I see these frames with the signed jerseys. So I've been working on that. And I got two now, and I'm gonna build, I'm gonna build something really neat. But I got uh, Lee Smith. I got the Lee Smith autographed jersey, and he signed the four right here. And I got the letter of authenticity right here. But the one I got this week was old Tommy Her. And these jerseys look so good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got Tommy Her. And uh Oh, they're really nice. Some of the jerseys are just almost like iron-ons, but these are the more the patches that are sewn. They look really nice. They have the patches on the sleeves and everything. So I'm going. I'm getting some shadow boxes, and I'll be working. That's some of my winter projects to get ready. And of course, I also got a couple of things from. I got a. Uh, I got. I met Lee Smith and had that sign, and I love that picture. But uh, I bought this one, and this is Tommy Her. Jack Clark and Ozzy Smith celebrating a victory right there. So I'll be working on the shadow boxes, getting that done. And then uh, I got uh, some brewer stuff too. After going to Milwaukee, I kind of, kind of like, I, I kind of like to follow the brewers now. Uh, oh, so just... it's going to be one brewer, one, <laughs> one brewer, two Cubs. That, that would I, work. I, I tell you what, I, I'll be honest with you. I uh, I knew the Cubs from afar, but after talking to you and Max, I love seeing what they're doing and what's going on. I, I've always loved Wrigley Field. When I was in the Navy, I'd go down there and watch ball games. I've learned so much about the Cubs from you guys. When I play the Immaculate Grid now, you know, I'm pulling stuff out from way deep, like uh, Don Kessinger and uh, Frank Chance and things like that. You know, I'm putting those names out there in there, so... Anyway, I appreciate you guys, and really, the only team I don't like is the Mets. Sorry, Uncle Mark. I think it's Mark. My cousin, cousin. Mark. Cousin my, Mark. My cousin who's younger than me, yes. yes. Hey, I'm my own grandpa. Hey, I ran into a lady who's about 70 years old yesterday who told me that something, you know, we were talking about the weather. She said, well, at least you're young. You can, you know. I said, well, thank you for calling me young. She said, well, how old are you? In your 30s? I said, I'm 57. Are you kidding me? Hey, hey look at you. Mr. Yeah. Youth right there. But JJ, I'm you did not get the memo. You cannot mention Tommy Her anymore because my wife goes crazy. Tommy oh. Her. <laughs> the permed mullet in the back. Oh yeah. Him, he's something else, ain't he? Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you open it up, JJ? Well, I found my cards this week, and I'm opening up Series 2 of 2023, and it'll be about three or four weeks when the new 2024s come out. So I'm going to try to get all these shown before we get into the 2024s. Okay, well, once more, I am opening up a minor league package from Ooh. 1989, and yes, it is green, so it doesn't mix well with my green screen. But anyway, ooh, that's kind of cool. Ooh, 
Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, when we open these, we can see if any of these guys have ever played uh, in the major leagues. So go ahead. Let's have All it. All right. Well, I am going to show the, some of the Brewers stuff I got. Uh, I opened up a pack this week. That's a. It's a hard for me not to open the packs before the show. When I get a pack of cards, I want to open them and look. But this week I opened up a pack and I got a Joey Weimer autograph one. So when you open these packs and you get an autograph card, it basically has a thing on the back that says, congratulations, you are the owner. Of, and a lot of these players, and now these players get paid a lot of money. Back in the old days, they didn't make so much and they all have some sort of contract with Tops, And they sign like 20 to 50 cards and they're just scattered in there. So I got Joey uh, Weimer right there. And then the six toe Lescano cards I got signed. There's a six toe with the Brewers. He's a right good looking guy. That he is a good looking guy. Um, right there with the old M hats. They have the old M hats right there. I think that's like seventy seven maybe. And then this was him with the Brewers. I also got a Cardinal and a Padre one too. But anyway, I got all my my Brewer ones out. And now for the two thousand twenty threes. Um, let's see. Oh, this is the guy I picked to win the MVP in the National League. Austin Riley had wow. a very good year. I think this kid's a superstar. He's getting he's a and he's a big linchpin to that team right there. So anyway, Austin Riley on this uh stars of the MLB. They have that series going. And then uh here's a Cincinnati Red player, and you can see they're kind of embossed right there. And it's Hunter Strickland, the pitcher for Cincinnati yeah. Reds, right there. I don't know. They got so many different borders, and there's different prices on different ones. I don't worry about that too much. Uh, let's see. I'm looking through here. Some of these things. Oh, the closer for Pittsburgh Pirates. This guy, I think, is the best reliever in our division right here. Badar of the Pirates. Uh, uh, he played for the World Baseball Classic. I think some good closers. Devin yeah. Williams. Devin Williams. Yeah. Oh, Devin Williams. That's true. He's I still I would go with Bernard though. I would go with Bernard. That guy yeah. last year had a great year. And I, Devin Williams is great. Devin Williams is great. I someone on, on a on one of the baseball websites said something. Someone posted who has the nastiest pitch in baseball. And someone posted Devin Williams airbender. Which I contend is nothing more than a screwball. But I've said that before. Yeah. And someone said he said, but he said, as a Brewers fan, I would say, you know, Devin Williams, Airbender. Another guy said, I'm a Brewers fan too, and I concur. And I said, I'm a Cubs fan, and I concur sadly with a little crying. <laughs> I hate when he comes in. He is almost unhittable. He is so, fantastic. But Ednar's yeah. really good too. So there's he's really good too. Yeah. I, well, thank you for straightening me out there. I, Completely forgot about Devin Williams there. Uh, I tell you what, Kansas City. This is uh, Jonathan Helsley right here. And uh, one of the young pitchers for Kansas City. I think they're on the upswing. Uh, uh, Rocky, he's been there for a while. Kyle Freeland right there with the Rockies. Uh, oh, man. You say a name and it comes back and bites you. Randy Rosarina running the second base right there. That guy's got such a flash and flair for the game. Very enthusiastic. He deserves everything. He's a fantastic player. Uh, Detroit Tiger. I know he was an Oriole, too. Jonathan Scope. Right there with Detroit. Boy, he's, he's been everywhere, it seems like. 
in the yeah in the American League. It seems like he's kind of made the rounds. They got some team pictures or teams here. This is the Royals. They're like team picture with all the like a checklist on the back. So every team has some sort of action picture there. Um, let's see the next one here. Oh, San Diego Padres. There they are celebrating. Uh, got a couple more here. Oh, he was a, a big guy in the news this week. Chris Sale going oh, to Atlanta. Yeah, right there. I tell you what, if he finds any kind of the form he used to have, look out because he's going to be the number three picture. I think is what they're projecting him to be. And then uh, Trace Thompson from uh, your Los Angeles Dodgers, right there, with their uh, what one point four billion dollar payroll. Cubs legend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very guys. briefly. He hit a go-ahead, like, three-run homer grand slam in, like, the second-to-last game of the season against the Cardinals a couple of years back. Great memory, Max. Man, yeah. I don't remember that. Maybe I've taken that. It was, like, October 1st or something. It was... <laughs> put that <laughs> no out of my mind, probably. <laughs> so that's it for my set. All right, I'm going to open up the minor leaguers, and we'll see if... The first time we did this, we nobody... The second time we did this, we had some decent players. Albert Bell and a few others. So let's see what we got oh, here. Yeah. Ooh. Pitcher for Pittsfield, Mark Willoughby. Don't know him. Oh, outfielder from Burlington. The I Never Smile, Nolan Lane. That dude's got that bat, man. He's going to do some damage. Johnson City Cardinal Class A organization, Richard Shackle. You not know Richard Shackle. The Spartanburg shortstop, Mike Morandini. I wonder if he's related to Mickey. Maybe. Maybe. I say something. Mickey Morandini. I wonder if, I don't know. Could be. I don't know. Ah, former All Star pitcher, pitching for Kingston at this time. Uh, went on to pitch in the World Series, Charles Nagy. Oh, yes. There he is. Oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, good pitcher. For Princeton, Kelly Woods. Smart guy. Okay. Miami outfielder, Michael Maxidian. And I swear to God, he looks like he's 40 years old. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's a real guy there. Kingsport first baseman, James Harris. Nope. Wasn't James Harris a backup quarterback for the Rams? Back quarterback the for the Rams. First African-American yeah. for the Rams. Quarterback oh, for the really? Rams. Oh, yeah. um, Beloit third baseman, Frank Bollock. And, oh, from Gastonia, second base, Jeff Fry. So, well, we got Charles Nagy. That's the only one I've Charles ever heard of. So that was pretty good. Uh, I forgot that name. That name I kind of had let slip out of my mind. Charles Nagy is very good. When when Cleveland was really good in the mid nineties, he was the race. He and a little Hershiser, man. They were they were a good team. So that, that really want to thank Scott for joining us. Uh and uh thank you all for being here. Um it's it's an exciting cub day. Uh you know. And watch him go 
5 and 17. But right now, on this date, on Violet's 20th birthday, I'm excited about it. So uh, very cool. Remember the uh, Guess the Cup contest? Uh, we still have two free agents to be signed before we can complete that. And that would be Bellinger and Snell. Yes. Um, and they will be signed probably in about uh, three hours before spring training breaks. <laughs> it looks. So anyway, and uh, we will see you all next week. Thank you.